That's great hearing stories like that. I'm quite jealous that I didn't get to go. Um, but it's good to know that us guys can listen to the, to the, uh, to the podcast or the, the messages online. So that's always good stuff. Um, it's brilliant to see so many of you here. Um, you'll probably have noticed by now, if you've been reading the church um, news and notices, um, that I'm, um, I'm not Hank Kirsten. Um, sadly, he's not well. Um, we found out earlier in the week that he wasn't well. He wasn't going to be able to come, so I'm not Henk. So we made the decision um, among the elders that we'd need to do something else, and Steve very kindly decided to um, step into the breach and preach this morning. But as you can tell, I'm not Steve. <laughs> um, so about 6.30 yesterday evening, we discovered from Steve that Sadly, he's succumbed to man flu. Um, no, he's, uh, he's, he's not well. It, and genuinely, he's not well. Um, so um, it'd be great to keep praying for him. But yeah, 6.30 yesterday evening, the, the, the elders that remained standing had a brief conversation and decided, well, I put my hand up, or maybe I was the one that stepped back slowest, I don't know. But I'm plan C for today, so there we go. It's going to be good, though. What's really exciting, and I've been smiling all my way through the meeting so far, is the things that God has been saying prophetically, the things that we've been singing. Um, Mike, you'll have no idea how, how uh, um, appropriate your prophetic word um, is for this morning, for what I believe God wanted to say. This is just, it was something that came to my mind yesterday, should be nice and simple, easy way to, you know, to keep the morning going. Actually, God is really speaking. So I'm, I'm in faith that God is, has got something to say to us today that maybe he needed to, he needed to move Henk and Steve out the way for. Um, yeah. I don't know. Could be worse. <laughs> um, on Thursday, um, a group of leaders from the New Ground family of churches all met for their twice-yearly um, prayer days, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and I was there on Thursday just for one of the days. Um, it's a great opportunity um, that we have to catch up with um, other friends who are in leadership in churches, learn about what's going on, what God's doing in um, different parts of, our, part of our, um, our small part of God's wider family, um, and to pray for each other. Obviously, being prayer days, that's the key thing. Um, it's great to be out of the normal routine once in a while, a bit, a bit like these ladies who went to the Fearless Conference. It's amazing when you get the opportunity to step out and just hear what God's got to say. And one of the most significant parts, and I'm sure anyone who's been to any event like this would agree, is the opportunity to hear God speaking through spiritual gifts, and particularly the gift of prophecy and word of knowledge, because, um, because those are often the ways that we hear and can easily understand what God is saying. And I wanted to share today just one of the, um, the prophetic words or the, the prophetic encouragements that was brought to us as leaders within the New Ground family of churches um, as part of the prayer days. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it so that we can um, hopefully um, learn from it and, and build on it and, and go for it as a local church here. 
So this is what the word. Uh, this is the word that was shared. Um, our gatherings are about the presence of God. Our gatherings are about the presence of God. So we need to make room for His presence. We need to make room for the invisible conductor to lead us into the places that only He can take us to. Our meetings are about the presence of God. They're not about who's preaching, what they're saying, which songs we do, how good the, the kids' work is, which chair we sit in, whether the PA works. That's not what our meetings are about. Our meetings are about the presence of God. And we know that God's presence is here. Amen? Do we believe that? Yes. We know that God's presence is here because God is alive and he is among us. So we know that God's presence is here. That's why we meet. That's the purpose of our meetings. But we were challenged last Thursday that for a lot of us, and those of us that were in the room, um, most of us have been Christians for a long time. Many of us have been around New Ground and New Frontiers churches for a long time. A lot of us take it for granted, and we forget that there are many, many people in our churches and not yet in our churches that actually won't have any idea what that means for our meetings to be about or our uh, gatherings to be about the presence of God. So I just wanted to use the opportunity today to share some stories to, um, for those who maybe don't know what the history, the rich history of the presence of God that we have both as a family of churches and as individuals, um, to hopefully build, um, to encourage you to build faith and also to build a desire for that presence to be in all of us. Because ultimately, it's God's presence which is going to bring the power which will enable us to do all the things he's calling us to do. So, I'm going to go back to the late 60s, early 70s. And when I say I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back because I've read about it. Um, actually, there are some really, really good podcasts. I think if you look on the New Ground website or maybe New Frontiers, you can find some amazing messages, podcasts. See if you can find something about the history of New Frontiers. It's, a, it's incredible. Um, but in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, there were a number of Christians in churches around the world who were stirred by the Holy Spirit to become more open to his active daily working in their lives. So they were usually part of churches that we would think of as being more traditional, um, whether it would be Anglican or Baptist or Methodist. So the, the more traditional churches where the Holy Spirit being alive and active wasn't necessarily part of their daily experience. Um, and it was when they started talking about this, it was often met with some resistance. So you got views like, well, God stopped doing all of that stuff with the disciples. Or, um, oh, no, no, the Holy Spirit's a still, small voice inside. It's not some loud outward expression. So, and I'm sure some of you will have heard some of those and similar um, phrases used. But Christians were beginning to see what the Bible said. And they were beginning to say, well, the Bible seems to be describing a different experience to the one that the church is having. And that started to trigger them to pray, to ask God, to seek him for some of these things. Um, and what came out of that um, was, or what was happening there, was what's become known as the charismatic renewal, where 
the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit at work among the local church and the wider families of churches started to become more evident. And so what we see today, when people can come up and bring prophetic words and we can sing songs that, um, that enable us to enter into the presence of God, a lot of that is a result of these early pioneers who started reading the Bible and saying, my experience looks a bit different to that. I'm going to pursue what the Bible says. I'm going to trust what God says above what man says. It's what we've just heard from the, from the ladies. Um, Acts 2, if we can just put... I've got a few verses I just want to, to use to help ground this in Scripture. So in Acts 2, um, it says this about the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So that's one and two. And then jumping to verse 15. Um, so after they started, um, they went out, um, and people thought that it was all a bit strange. And Peter said to the crowd, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. See, it includes men. It's good. Um, both men and women. Um, I've lost my place now. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Um, have I gone past? I can't remember where I go. That will do. The Holy Spirit was promised to be poured out on all believers. And then in John chapter, uh, John 14, verses 12 to 17. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit was promised in Scripture. And back in the early 70s, people realised, hold on a sec, we've got a promise here that's for us and we're not experiencing it. And so they pursued God in prayer, they pursued God in changing the way that they met. A lot of them had to make big sacrifices, move homes, leave churches to pursue God. But over the next few years and decades, this turned into a movement of hundreds of thousands of people in tens of thousands of churches worldwide in which the gifts of the Holy Spirit have transformed lives and communities and has transformed the expression of Christianity, the way Christianity is seen and known in um, many towns um, and many nations. Churches, families of churches like New Frontiers and New Ground are respected in the UK today in a way that would have been unthinkable 40, 50 years ago because people have been obedient and pursued what they saw in Scripture as being for them. But... There is a new generation of believers 
for whom all of this that I'm talking about is a completely new and strange experience. Not just the young in years, although anyone who wasn't born in the 70s didn't experience the 70s, but also young in their faith, young in their relationship with Jesus, for whom they've actually never had the opportunity or never heard some of these amazing things that many of us have experienced. And the danger is that we can assume that everybody knows what God has done. We sung a couple of great songs and we've heard um, you know, some things this morning about what God did in the past and remembering for the next generation. And again, I've got a few, um, a few verses just to, to, just to help us to think that one through. So again, if we jump to Psalm 145, just a couple of verses from there. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Of his greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wondrous works. How does this news, how does this amazing experience get passed on? It's because people talk about it, because people share stories about it. Judges 2. Um, Joshua, um, who had led the Israelites to conquer the promised land, um, died at the age of 110 and they buried him. Have I got the right part? That doesn't sound like the bit I was going to read. Yes, that's right. Um, so Joshua died and they buried him in the hill country uh, north of Mount Gosh. Gosh. Um, after that, a whole generation, sorry, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, so Joshua's generation, the generation that had conquered the promised land, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And if you read on in the story, you will see it didn't go so well for them. Because they weren't there. They might you know, have heard stories about, oh, once upon a time this happened, but they weren't there. They didn't experience it for themselves. And so it didn't go so well for them. And the last one, I just wanted to read just one verse. Um, when... Jesus was um, born and Mary, um, where is it? I've lost my place. Um, no, before Jesus was born, so Mary was pregnant, she said this, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. She was talking about what had happened in her life and how knowing what had come in the past meant that she could move into the future because she had that experience of God's presence with her. So for those of us who have experienced the presence of God in those ways, personally, we've got a responsibility, haven't we, to commend God's works to the next generation. That's part of what we need to be able to do. It's part of how we should be teaching. It's part of what we all should be doing as individuals because we all experience God for ourselves. But we mustn't take for granted that other people haven't had the same experience as we have. We want the next generation to enjoy the fullness of the experience of God that we've had, the we've had the privilege of experiencing. But more than that, we want them to go beyond. And they'll never go beyond if, like the generation that followed Joshua, no one's really told them. And they don't know what God can do and they haven't experienced it. And they go, 
in a different direction. So I'm just going to do a quick sort of straw poll, hands up type thing. Because here in Crawley, in the church today, even with slightly depleted numbers, I know that we have some who were probably around in, as part of the charismatic renewal in the early 70s and at the risk of people you know, being embarrassed about how old they are. Does anyone remember the charismatic renewal when it actually happened in the 70s? It's amazing. I put my hand down because I was not really very born at that point. Um, so there are people among us that experienced those very first original days. Um, and there have been many, many key events and key um, um, phases and seasons during the last 40 to 50 years um, where God has done amazing things that we should be sharing. So as part of this month of equipping that we're in the middle of, and even though this is Plan C in the month of equipping part three, um, I'd just, I just love us to share some experiences that we have. Now, I could ask many people to come up and do two or three minutes. I didn't have time from 6.30 last night till now to ask them, but you saw the hands, ask them, talk to people about it, see what's happened. Um, we could share stories about all sorts of things, about God's presence, about planting churches, about seeing people healed, um, about mercy ministries that have started up, salvation, people getting saved from strange backgrounds, families and friends and so on. But I just want to focus on something that's a little bit more tangible um, just for this morning, which is spiritual gifts. And we read in, um, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 12, we read about um, the spiritual gifts that are given to the churches. So if I just start from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'll read that again. To each one, look around, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one. Look around. He gives them to each one just as he determines. That short passage lists nine different specific spiritual gifts. There are others in Scripture. It talks about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between good and evil spirits, and speaking different tongues and interpreting tongues. And it says that each of us is given some of those for the common good. But if you've never seen that happen or you've never experienced it for yourself, that's going to seem strange. It's going to maybe feel a bit uncomfortable. So um, Nic Nicola and I are just going to share very briefly our 
testimony, our story, about the first time or one of the, the first times that we experienced it for ourselves, just so that we can encourage um, the rest of you. So if you want to come up. Um, Nicola's going to talk a little bit about her experience of her first experience of speaking in tongues. Um, and then I'm going to give you a couple of short stories about my early experiences of prophecy. Um, and then we're going to spend some time praying. So go for it. You've made notes. I have. I'm going to be brief-ish. <laughs> um, so just to give you some context, I was raised in an Anglican church, in the Church of England, um, to parents who got saved when I was about five. Um, I got saved when I was 12. I was at Spring Harvest. Um, uh, this is not a bash of the Church of England. The Church of England served me very, very well. They took good care of me. The teaching was excellent. Um, they were very loving. Uh, they discipled me. Um, however, there wasn't um, a focus on the Holy Spirit. We had an evening meeting once a month where the Holy Spirit was invited for about 15 minutes. And if he didn't show up in that window, then it was kind of tough luck, really, that he'd, he'd missed his slot. Um, I remember my dad bringing a prophecy once, and, and everyone was like, oh, is he allowed to do that? Um, so when Chris and I got married... Um, and Chris desperately wanted to go off and find a, a charismatic evangelical church. I was a little bit like, oh, really? Because what I discovered in that time was actually I was really anxious about the Holy Spirit because I didn't understand and I didn't know. I'd not had those experiences. There was a bit of pride as well, and it felt like it was in conflict with what I'd been um, brought up with. Um, it didn't need to be, it turned out, but that's how it felt. Um, so I resisted for quite a long time. I did a lot of sitting on the front row with my arms crossed, glaring, um, when the Holy Spirit um, arrived, um, since repented of that and apologized to the leaders. Um, then I went to a, a Holy Spirit encounter day that Greg Haslam led. He was a teacher, uh, one of the leaders within New Frontiers for many years, went on to become Westminster chaplain, I think, didn't he? Westminster chaplain. And he, um, he did a workshop on spiritual gifts. And actually, it was, it was amazing. It was really great. And, and he asked us, he taught, and then he said, who wants to you know, receive the gift of prophecy? And, and, and I got really into it. And I put my hand up, and, and I received the gift of prophecy, and I, and I bought a prophecy, and it was really exciting. And then later in the afternoon, he said, we're going to do a prayer about tongues now. And who would really like to receive the gift of tongues? And I shot my hand up, and there were two of us in a room of about 70. And as soon as my hand went up, I was like, oh, man, I feel really stupid now. So he said, let's everybody get around Nicola and this other lady and pray for her. And then all these people gathered around me and started praying in tongues. I felt so stupid. I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. Nothing happened. I spoke to Greg afterwards, and he said, you, you need to cooperate with the Spirit. He's not going to come and take your tongue and waggle it around. Um, just be in faith that it will happen. He knows you, so, you know, work on it. So for weeks and months after that, I started to... Am I going on too long? No, no, it's oh, good. Um, I started to practice really, really quietly. I used, was listening to other people who were speaking in tongues. And I, when I say that, I mean both when we pray corporately in tongues all together... Um, tongues being that kind of different weird language made up of lots of weird different sounds if you don't know what they are and also about bringing a tongue that then needs an interpretation into a language that we do understand and that's when we hear um, we really see God at work um, 
as well. So I started to practice really quietly. And then in meetings, I would just, I'd just do it under my breath next to somebody. And, and as the music got quieter, I'd just stop so nobody could hear me. And then we had a meeting in our house. Um, we were church planting, and we'd gathered about probably a dozen or so of us. And we were worshipping and praying. And I was doing this, you know, practicing these praying out in tongues with everyone else. And then all of a sudden, I, I felt myself slowly get louder and louder. And as I got louder and louder, everyone else got quieter and quieter. And it was like, some, it was like another me stepped outside of myself and went what are you doing? Be quiet. They can all hear you. And I was like, it's just coming out of me. I don't know what to do. And then, and I think you were playing guitar at the time, and I ended up singing this tongue uncontrollably, thinking when I open my eyes, everyone's going to be looking at me, thinking, what are you doing? And when it finished, I opened my eyes, and of course, nobody slightly narcissistic of me to think that they would be. Nobody was looking at me. Nobody cared. They were just in the... Pre they were enjoying the presence of God and God working through me and the rest of them. And then an interpretation was bought. And it was, it was so wonderful because actually what I learned from that was not, wow, I've got the gift of tongues now, but God was patient with me. He knew he needed to take some time with me. He knew that I was proud and he had to work with me on me submitting to the spirit and actually to learn that it wasn't about me learning the gifts it was about allowing the spirit to work within me for God's glory so that others would see that glory and be encouraged by that um, so I the only thing I the last thing that I would say to you is that I would just encourage you to think about how um, you, what your experience of receiving spiritual gifts has been and how you might tell that story to somebody else to encourage them Brilliant. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a brilliant story. I was there and it was good. It was a, it was a good story. Um, I'm just going to share briefly about um, a bit about my experience, just a couple of um, brief things. Um, back in the early 90s, I was at, or mid-90s, I was at university, and it was at the same time as... Um, this sort of strange season that got known as the Toronto Blessing was happening. Now, you may or may not have heard of the Toronto Blessing, but essentially what happened was that from a, a particular church in Toronto, there was a big move of the Holy Spirit where the, lots of people were starting to have spiritual gifts and things turned a little bit chaotic because the Holy Spirit was at work in so many people at once. And for those of us that experienced it, it was quite strange. Now, my experience was one of coming from not really having experienced any of it before. So I was in these meetings where, you know, on the one hand, you had people, you know, loudly sort of wailing and singing and with, you know, tears streaming down their face. And in the other corner, you've got a couple of lads jumping around acting like pirates. Arr. I had no idea what was going on. People were falling over, people were uh, you know, laying hands on everyone left, right and centre. I didn't know what was going on. It, was, it wasn't very well explained because nobody really knew what was going on. But everyone just kept on saying, oh, this is, what the, this is the Holy Spirit at work. So my experience of that was, well, this is odd, it's weird. Um, but I believed God. I believed what the Bible said. And so, so I said to God, right, if you want to do something in me, do something in me. So I sort of stood there and put my hands out and shut my eyes like a good Christian. 
um, and waited for something to happen, and not much really did happen. Until during one of these meetings, and there had been several over a few weeks or months, during one of these meetings, it was like God said to me, you need me to actually, you need to let me actually do something. And I realized that I was stood there like this, rigidly, I'm not going to fall over, I'm not going to say anything silly, I'm not going to do... And it's like God said, no, you actually have to let me do something. If you want me to do something, you actually have to let me. So I relaxed. And the next thing I remember, I was lying on the ground. Well, it was nothing particularly dramatic. I was aware it happened. I was just lying there thinking, wow, do you know what? Just letting God do what he wants to do in me is much better than resisting. It was much less hard work. I realized how hard I was working to just stand there and not fall over and not do anything. And, and it wasn't hard work at all. It was just I allowed God. And he started doing a work in me then, which has resulted in where I am now as far as my experience of the Holy Spirit. And it was a very strange time. Trying to explain it to anyone who wasn't there is very strange, but actually God did a work in a lot of people um, back then. And my story is one of many similar stories. Um, another story, and again, just um, a little bit about prophecy. Um, prophecy is one of the gifts that God has used me in a number of times. Um, as he does with a number of people in the church. We had a couple this morning which were, which were great. But there was one um, a few years ago when um, I went with Steve and a group of impact students to Geneva for a week. Um, and it was just a training week with the, the students. Um, and before I went, um, I had been praying for these guys. That I had a list of, I think it was 12, 12 of these they were late teens, early 20s. Um, and I was just praying for them. Just didn't really know how to pray, what to pray. And I think I read somewhere that about somebody that had once um, prayed individually for lots of people. Or maybe I was at a meeting when they were praying, and I thought, I'd, I'll pray individually for them. And as I was praying, God started to give me words, phrases, things about them that would, um, you know, that that I could share with them. So I thought, I'll write them all down. Didn't know any of them. So I wrote down all of these, these phrases, and I wrote down all of the names. Just, it, to me, it seemed fairly random. I didn't know how they connected together. And then when I went through, when we were over in Geneva, I shared all these words with them. And one after the other, I shared the word, and it was almost as if it was the exact one thing that they needed to hear. What, one, the one example that I remember... You're probably familiar with the, the, the verse in Timothy that talks about fan into flame the gift of God that was given by the laying on of hands. Well, it so happened, and I'd written these down and printed it out beforehand, so I couldn't change them. The, the girl that that one was for had spent the previous three days walking around Geneva with a fan in her hand, fanning herself like this. And it was, it was as if we, we were going through it, and it was as if, hold on, this must be a fix. <laughs> you must have figured this out beforehand. But genuinely, it wasn't. I had, I'd never met them, didn't know any of them. I had a list of names and I had a list of verses. Just put them together. And yet God did something amazing in speaking to them through me. Nothing special that I did, except that I was open to God doing something. Except that I allowed God to shape the way that I prepared for that. Allowed God to shape the way that I um, was going to engage with them. Um, 
So that was just a couple of little stories and some experiences. As I said, there are many more. Talk to people. When Nicola's absolutely right, we need to learn how to share these stories better. But do talk in your small groups over the next few weeks. If we don't get to meet over the next few weeks, talk to your friends. Talk to other people on the phone or on Messenger saying, tell me your story about your experience of the presence of God. It's a great opportunity. Um, but when we talk about the spiritual gifts, just a very sort of brief reminder, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out so we'd get to do all of this stuff. We get to do all of this stuff because the Holy Spirit was poured out. We get to live day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute in the presence of God because God has chosen to put his presence in us by his Holy Spirit. We can experience his power, his love, his compassion, his forgiveness on a daily basis. And also the, his spiritual gifts, which are for the building up of the church. On a daily basis, whenever we meet, whenever we need them, whenever someone else needs God to work through us. So I'd love to pray very simply that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. No more than that just that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and that by being filled with the Holy Spirit and by being inspired by some of the stories of those of us that got it wildly wrong or made a complete fool of ourselves or just happened to be there when some great things were happening, that this amazing move of the Spirit that God has done over the last 40 years doesn't stop with us, but actually it goes and it grows into the next generation and the generations to come. So can we stand? The Bible says that when we ask for the Spirit, we need to do three things. It's very simple. We need to thirst. We need to be thirsty. We need to want it. We need to ask God for it. And then we need to receive it. So hopefully, my, the little 20 minutes that I've just shared with you now have made you thirsty. Anybody thirsty? Yeah? Okay, we're thirsty, so all we have to do is ask and receive. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask, and then I'd just love you to, you can hold your hands out in a, in a, uh, to look like you're receiving something or not, it's up to you. But shut your eyes, be prepared to receive. We're thirsty, so I'm just going to ask very simply, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come Holy Spirit, we're thirsty, we're standing before you, wanting more of you, wanting more of the experience of your presence in our lives, for your glory, for the blessing of the local church. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's a very simple prayer, but just receive. Just be aware that God wants to fill you. Don't resist. Don't worry about what it's going to look like to others. Don't worry about how you're going to feel. Don't worry about it changing things. Just be aware that God comes to those who ask. Same verse for us as a church um, from John 14. Um, the, the, one of the problems with our culture is that we've reduced the word love to a sentiment. But love is an action word. Love is a doing word. So if, as Mike reminded us, Jesus said he loves us. 
But if he'd have just stayed in heaven and kept saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, that wouldn't have helped us too much. And over these next weeks, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to love people. Uh, there's going to be people that we know that are going to lose their jobs, probably. There's going to be people who are going to lose loved ones. So not to be doom and gloom and put fear in us, but it's a reality that we need to love people in these coming weeks. And that love is a doing word. So look out for your neighbours. Look out for each other. Let's be, as Chris has said, let's ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us. Use that incredible gift of the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom of how we work with people, how we come alongside people, how we love people. I really feel this morning stirred in myself. How am I going to do that? How am I going to love my neighbours that are going to go through a very challenging and fearful time over these next weeks? And as the church, we need to step up. We need to be the ones that are there for others, for each other. There's a good chance that we won't be able to do this in the next in the next few weeks, to meet together in, this, in a larger group. If you're not in a small group, get connected, with, get connected because it's going to be a tough few weeks, I think. Months, maybe. We don't know. But let's, let's make sure we're connected. Let's make sure we're looking after each other. Let's make sure that people aren't left alone. It's going to take, it's going to take some effort, but we have love. And we have the Holy Spirit. I just want to remind us of the verse that Chris said this morning. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. One of the, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. How do you want to be loved in the next few weeks? And that's how we get to love our neighbors. And I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper to be with you, the Spirit of truth. So we're not in it alone. We don't have to be fearful. But there is a challenge to us that we get to use these amazing gifts that God has given us for our neighbors and our friends and our families.